Oh, there he is. Hey, Sean. How you doing, bud? Good. Good to see you. Thanks for uh, talking to me on a Sunday. Dude, thank you for having me. You kidding me? I'll talk to anybody. Well, I know. Here's your book. <laughs> I had to go to so many different Barnes and Nobles here in Las Vegas. Everybody was sold out. So I traveled 20 miles to get your book, my friend. Oh, my God, dude. Thank and you so I'm, I'm halfway through it. You know, I'm a slow reader. It's fascinating. And uh, I know we can't. We can't discuss if we saw the movie. We can't discuss. I mean, they're very strict. We can't say if we're going to, if we don't. So that's that's another matter. Um, okay. But this is such a great read so far. You know, you're just the ultimate fan. I love not only you read it from a fan's perspective, but also from a journalist, you know, because it's such such great research you did on this. So and this story reminds me of that classic artist versus studio story of Terry Gilliam and Brazil. I don't know if you yeah. know that. That's yeah. a good one. That's a great book, too. And so for fan campaign for years to Warner Brothers, right? So tell me about how the fans made this all happen. I mean, they would not stop demanding, you know, to see this version of a movie that they, you got to remember, like, if you're, whatever your fandom is, whether it's DC or whether it's Zack Snyder, uh, there's always been some type of film that we couldn't wait to see. Uh, you could see over my shoulder, you know, the two um, Avengers films, Infinity War and Endgame. Those, those were one of the most anticipated films for that fan base. And for, for DC fans, it was seeing the first live action Justice League. Uh, and when that movie came out in 2017, it wasn't the movie that they were promised. You know, that it wasn't Zack Snyder's vision. Zack Snyder had to walk away from that film back in 2017 due to a family tragedy. And he got replaced by, which this was weird too at the time, like he got replaced by the guy uh, Joss Whedon, who was doing Avengers films for the competition across the street. So behind you, <laughs> right behind you. That, yeah. yeah, 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 right. And, <laughs> on a Hollywood level, everything about it was weird. You know, it was weird to, to see Zack Snyder leave a blockbuster. It was weird to see him get replaced by Joss Whedon. And then for the movie to be as bad as it was, the fandom immediately came back home and got on social media and started to go over all the existing trailers and all the you know, the footage to say like, what happened to this movie that we were supposed to see? And there was enough visual evidence and there was enough stuff on social media that they could point to to say like, we didn't get the version that we thought we were gonna get. Now that can go away, you know, after a short amount of time, after the fans sort of try to piece that together and the studio denies it and, and it disappears. But what was kind of amazing about this also was how much Zack Snyder kind of fed the movement as well too and stoked that flame and said like, no, I have a, I have a version, you know, it's. Yeah, because when did it, when did it go from urban legend to, hey, there is a director's cut out there. When did it actually get, was he allowed to say something like that? This was like a, this has been a three year period from 2017 to kind of now. And really right up until 2019, the people in the movement who believed in the existence of the cut were still being told by, by people in the know, you know, journalists, studio people, that the cut doesn't exist. There's no way it could exist. Um, and it really was like July or August of 2019 that Zack Snyder finally sent out a photograph of the film canisters and with a caption that said like, is it real? Does it exist? Of course it does. You know, and it had Zack Snyder's Justice League label across it. And that's all this fan base needed. Like that was the fuel to the fire that just got them going. But that and wasn't so the four hour version that we're getting on the 16th on HBO Max though. No, that was like a 214 minute version. 214 was a very specific number to, to the group. Um, but you know, now this four hour cut is coming. And honestly, I think it's only coming because it's HBO Max and it's streaming. You know, if they had to try to get this into a into a movie theater with the way that COVID has pushed everything back and, and just the restrictions of trying to get a four hour cut into any theater, 
Uh, I don't think it would happen. But the fact that it's a streaming service is going to allow people to to just settle in for one long sit if you want, or it's <laughs> broken up into six chapters if you want to stop it every once in a while. So, well, how how much up the food chain did this, the command chain did this have to go at Warner Brothers? Because you have theatrical and streaming, they're two different animals, you know. So did HBO Max say, look, this is a perfect vehicle to get our notice of our new streaming service? I mean, how many yes men or how much red tape did Zack Center have to go through? A lot. Uh, I think so, yeah. It wasn't only just that too, but it was egos of people who had stopped his vision uh, back in 2017. Because it's you have to sort of look at it into a context. Zach in that moment was building a shared universe that started with Man of Steel, his Superman film with Henry Cavill. Uh, and then it continued into Batman versus Superman and it was going to lead into Justice League. But somewhere along that way, the studio heads who were still in place uh, decided that they were gonna go away from the, the darker and more serious tone of his films and go towards something a little more audience friendly because they were watching Marvel across the street just crush it from movie to movie, movie after movie. Um, and you know this business more than anybody else, it's box office that drives all of these decisions. And when Batman versus Superman didn't cross a billion dollars, when Warner Brothers stepped back and looked at their movie that had Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman together for the first time, and that film didn't cross a billion dollars, they decided that, that they didn't wanna keep going down the road that Zack was taking them, you know, wisely or not. So they switched gears and it really collapsed in on them. So there were still a lot of studio people at Warner Brothers who didn't want to admit that those decisions were a mistake, you know, that they had botched it, but they couldn't ignore the, the demands of the fan base. I mean, the, the hashtag release the Snyder Cut was just too loud for too long and they finally had to acknowledge. Uh, I think those uh, HBO, I think those three letters mean more than ever now, home box office, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, very true. And you know, the four hour plus running time, this is a roadshow epic presentation by all definition. I mean, 2,600 visual shots in six months. I mean, that's that's insanity. How did he pull it off? Just because everybody was working from home or? That's a big deal also. Um, yeah, that helped. But I also think that the movie was probably further along than people gave it credit for. Because uh, he had done most of his, uh, all of his shooting was completed. He had to do a lot of post-production work. This is something I want to ask him if and when I get a chance to sit down with him recently. Like he knew he had a version of this cut on a laptop. When he left Warner Brothers, he just took it with him kind of thing. I want to know how often over the past three years, he just kind of opened it back up and tinkered on it, you know, and worked on it. Because you've written a lot of stuff. You've edited a lot of stuff. You know, are you always kind of futzing with it? Don't you always want to just make it a little bit better? Starting with like, Superman's mustache, right? Oh, <laughs> that's, that's scene number one. I mean, that was yeah. the worst. But he knows um, plenty of people in the business that I'm sure could have just done some visual works for him and done some editing for him. And he, yeah, I think that he probably tinkered with it along this whole line. But then, of course, you know, then he gets the idea that he gets HBO Max gives him money to go back and do additional photography on it. And we're in COVID pandemic. He can't even get his cast together to do it properly. So there's a lot of obstacles for this movie to overcome. Well, would they throw 30 million? How much was the budget for this version? 70 million. For oh the my edition. gosh. I that was less than that. That's incredible. Post production work. And then he shot some additional scenes uh, that he worked into. A scene that he wanted to include originally that he didn't think he was going to get a chance to do with a bunch of other characters that people haven't seen yet. Right, and now for your book, uh, you had a chance, once it was officially going, you had a chance to sit down with Zack Snyder for this book, for an interview? 
I did. Um, so the, the cut got announced on May 20th of 2020. And then he and I sat down in early June uh, and just got to do like a victory lap sort of uh, what did it mean to you to get the, get the cut announced and what's going to happen from this point on. Jeff, people don't realize, like I turned this book's manuscript in last July. Um, and so there's a lot of stuff that has happened since that could be a follow-up book, honestly. Um, but there, I kind of had to get some closure to this story of just like, Initially, when I was writing it, there was no idea that the cut was going to come. Then it got announced and it gave the book a, a terrific ending, uh, kind of the best one you could hope for. But now it's like everyone sort of adapted the restore the Snyderverse. They want him to keep going. Uh, and he's been really sort of feeding that along. But my, my interview with him really celebrated the amount of work that the fans put in, you know, to get this movie released, the amount of stuff he did behind the scenes at Warner Brothers to convince them that like, this fandom uh, is so good at marketing, you know, and they branded a slogan, release the Snyder Cut, that's been more powerful than anything you guys have been able to do at the studio here. Uh, you should probably employ most of them because they're doing it all for free. This is a fandom that just did it in their own free time for nothing. Well, this wasn't the time then to ask like some tough questions, you know, because of Cyborg's character and all the, well, how Josh Whedon treated people or maybe even more personal questions about how it affected him with his daughter and all that. This was just about, you know, the fans coming together and getting the movie done, it just wasn't the time and place? Well, this, the Ray Fisher stuff hadn't even really surfaced yet. Right, you know, right. That, that stuff came out. And yeah, those really uncomfortable stories about stuff that happened during the reshoots, it'd be tough to ask Zach about that because he wasn't there for most of that stuff. By that point, he had kind of moved on. Um, we did talk a lot about Autumn, uh, his daughter. So for people who don't know, like the reason Zach left Justice League in the first place in 2017 is because he and his wife lost their daughter, uh, Autumn, and she uh, she died by suicide. And so the movement has really adapted the the push for um, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. All of their charitable work uh, and their marketing efforts, they raise money for AFSP at the same time. So Zach did talk a lot about how, you know, at that time it wasn't the right thing for him to do to keep working on the movie. He needed to be back home with his family. But I love that he's kind of opened up about how much of a, a comic book geek that Autumn was, and she was the one in the family that really, you know, bonded with him over this stuff. And so finishing this movie and getting it released really was a bit of closure, you know, for the journey that and the loss that they went on with their daughter. And so I, I found that to be really emotionally compelling. And the news lately, you know, Martin Scorsese, you know, trashing comic book films, making it sound so cheap. Do you think this will be the definitive version for him to watch to see, you know, it's much more than he thinks? Yeah, we should call this the Irishman of comic book movies, right? Like absolutely, that's, absolutely. <laughs> it, is, it is a it is an endeavor. Um, listen, Scorsese's never going to buy into comic book films; they're just they're just not his thing. But I will say, uh, you know, I anticipate this film to be the most you know complete adaptation of of a graphic novel of a, of a comic book story. And you know, we've seen plenty of these other examples leading up to it, Logan and 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 these two films overhand. But for DC fans, Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Snyder Cut of Justice League, uh, feels like the movie you've been waiting for. And you know, coming out at four hours, he, there was never discussion of making it a miniseries like The Watchmen, having four different episodes. Because asking people to watch four hours and something minutes, you know, at home and let alone in the theater, that's pretty demanding. It really is. And personally, I think it would have been better off for them to release it weekly. Uh, I mean, just think about what Marvel has been able to accomplish with WandaVision. Like, it generates a water cooler topic, and, and everybody kind of knows where you are in the story because you've all watched up to a certain point. Um, that four-hour sit is going to be great for dedicated, diehard DC fans. 
I think there's going to be plenty of people who, you know, when they get to one of the chapter stops that they're going to say, let's pause it and catch back up with it, you know, tomorrow. And I'm not quite sure that any filmmaker wants you to be pausing and coming back to their movie later, but it, that four hour ask is a lot. And it is kind of structured in a way that it, it could be broken up into a sort of episodic uh, breakdown. But from a pop culture standpoint, I think doing it weekly might've been a little bit stronger. And uh, Cinema Blend, your podcast, big score, right? You got Deborah and Zack Snyder coming on? They are coming on. Uh, we're really excited to be able to, to take a deeper dive into that with them. So um, yeah, I mean, De Debbie's been so integral as a producer in terms of getting Zach's vision together. Uh, Zach has done an amazing thing even before sitting down with press like all of us is that he's been going around and visiting live streams that are conducted by the true fans. And he's just, he'll sit down and spend an hour with them talking about it. And you don't see a lot of directors who have that interactive nature. Uh, with their fans. And I think that's great. But yeah, I want to crack at them. I've got a lot of questions I want to ask. I'll be listening. And in the meantime, everybody pick up your book. Uh, it's it's really fan fantastic. It's a great compendium to the movie. Sean, thanks so much for joining me today, man. I'm so happy for you because I've been watching you for years, putting this together. Your obsession is finally over. You can take a rest now because I, <laughs> I know it's probably just, just live and eat and breathe this for the last three years. Yeah, it's true. But Jeff, I really admire uh, everything that you're doing as well, too. Keep it up, brother. You're a great interviewer, and uh, I really appreciate your time. Oh, thanks, John. Take care. We'll talk soon.